Hey everyone, it's time for the Down in the Valley podcast. My name is Todd Golden, sports editor and Indiana State beat writer for the Terre Haute Tribune Star and TribStar.com. Um, here we go. This is basically going to be devoted entirely, almost entirely, to the MVC Champ Signed Cup quarterfinals. Um, real quickly, uh, recording this Saturday morning, uh, before I head to Illinois State, Indiana State finishes the regular season at Redbird Arena on Saturday afternoon. Um, not much to say about that. I mean, it's basically a pretty meaningless game. They, the two teams are locked into the 8-9 game in St. Louis, which thankfully for me and my deadline is the earlier game of the two uh, at 7 o'clock Central Time, or 7 o'clock Eastern Time, I should say. Um and those two teams will play each other, and that's something that Indiana State has done several times over the years where they've had the same final regular season matchup against their Arch Madness uh, competitor, whether they knew it or not. In this case, they do know it. So really, the only thing that's at stake tomorrow is who's going to wear which uniforms in St. Louis if ISU wins. They'll wear their home whites. If they don't, they'll wear something else. So um, as far as what the matchup means for next week, I you know, both these teams probably can't, uh, you know, they both have flaws, obviously, being where they are in the league. So it's not like you're going to sandbag and hold anybody back or do something different. I don't think it's a big secret as to what the Sycamores do. Illinois State, since Indiana State saw them two weeks ago, made a coaching change. Dan Muller was let go. So they're in an interim situation right now. Um, but I don't think they're playing any different. So We'll see. Uh, tomorrow's game is relatively, like I said, meaningless. The big one is next Thursday. The other news that happened this week, apart from since I last recorded uh, an ISU midweek loss, an 88-82 loss to Northern Iowa, which was a good game, real good game. Um, ISU just couldn't get a stop against the Panthers and particularly A.J. Green down the stretch, um, but they're not the only team that's had that issue, uh, but the other news that came out Wednesday was that Tyreek Key will not be back next year. He will seek a transfer uh, after this season, uh, according to Josh Schertz. So I haven't really had a chance to talk to either party about that yet, and so I don't want to say a whole lot until I do. Uh, it's kind of a shame. I mean, it would have been cool if Tyreek would have finished his career here, but I never, ever, ever... Um, hold anything against players for making a decision about their lives. I never have, never will. So if that's what Tyreek wants to do with his career, um, all power to him and good luck to him. He's been a, certainly Indiana State fans don't have any reason to complain about what he's brought to the table here over his four years. You know, if there was no COVID uh, uh, extra year, he'd be done anyway. So um We'll see what happens with that, and like I said, I don't want to comment too much more on that situation until I talk to uh, both parties on the record. So uh, so let's get into this, because the uh, I don't want this to stretch out the way the last one did. That was by far the longest podcast I ever did, just by dint of having so many matchups to get through. This one shouldn't take as long, because we have half the amount of matchups, so... Uh, just to remind you, this is a this was a blind draw, so these weren't these players weren't seated, and the spice that's added to this, which uh, this is basically a battle of the best the players who were 
first-team All-Valley, second-team All-Valley, All-Defense, All-Newcomer, All-Freshman, um, those were or a bench captain. Those were the ways you could qualify for this tournament. Each school has a different amount of players, obviously, and we're playing our way down to one for each school that they will take to, quote-unquote, arch madness in this. The wrinkle I added to it was a dice roll. It's an upset roll where if I roll a one, uh, whomever I pick to go through, based mostly on merit, but also sometimes on how they influenced winning or if there was a tiebreaker or something, you know, that I determined to be the tiebreaker. Um, so whomever I, if I roll a one on either an 8, 10, or 20-sided die roll, then the r- result is reverse. So that adds a little bit of, I call it the arch madness dice roll. So it adds a little bit of the upset factor into this. So that's how it works. I did mention in the last one that I've weighted the dies a little bit based on, I, I created a point system for the honors that players got. So if there was a 15 point differential between the two players, I roll a 10 sided die. If it's 30, which is hard to do, basically you'd have to be like an all freshman only versus a guy who won, you know, went like first team three times or something like that. Then it's a 20-sided roll. We didn't have any of those in the last round, but we do have a couple in this one. So those are the ones that would be, if you beat, if you get a one on that, you're beating giant odds. So let's get into it. Uh, As we have for the last couple, Wichita State had the most amount of qualifiers, so we'll do them first. And our first matchup is Fred Van Vliet versus Clevin Hanna, two guards. And you know, as good, as good as Clevin Hanna was, and he was very good in the years before Fred Van Vliet played, Fred Van Vliet is the choice here by a pretty significantly easy margin. Uh, Van, Vliet, Van Vliet, I think, is the favorite to come out of Wichita State's bracket. So this is a 10-sided roll, so let's see what we get. <clears throat> nope, I rolled the 20 accidentally, duh. So let's do the 10-sided roll. And it's a 6, so Fred Van Vliet is through to the next round where he will face the winner of Tekale Cotton versus Darius Carter. Tekale Cotton survived a tough uh, round of 16 matchup against Jamar Howard. Darius Carter, um, I believe, beat Karan Bradley, if I remember right. Yes, that's right. Um, Both were on the unbeaten 2014 team, but Cotton was the defensive stalwart of both that team and the Final Four team the year before. He was a more important piece uh, to those Shockers than... Darius Carter was. So Cotton is my pick. The dice roll says uh, agrees. So we have not had a single upset roll the entire time we've done WSU so far. So they've been chalk all the way. Next matchup, a real good one. Cleanthony Early versus Paul Miller. Heavyweight battle here. I mean, Miller had a longer career with the Shockers and was the Valley Player of the Year in 06 for a Sweet 16 team. Uh, But Early was one of the main pieces of WSU's rise from being really good to being a national level power uh, in their final four run and the undefeated run. Um, so I got to go with Clay Anthony early. This is an eight sided dice roll this time. So the lowest one and it's a six. So Clay Anthony early is through to the shockers final four. Next up, Ron Baker versus Landry Shamit to guard. Well, Baker was, I guess a guard, I guess maybe a small forward, but uh, could play guard. He, he had guard game uh, against Shamit. And Baker was an irreplaceable part of the WSU's peak team. Shamit came right after that 
And although Shamit, they both play in the NBA, Shamit has had a much better pro career than Ron Baker did. Uh, but that's not what this is about. This is about how they did at WSU, and Baker goes through on that definition. So this is a 10-sided role for Baker, who won a lot of honors in the league. And it's a four. So again, Wichita State uh, remains chalk. So the semifinals for Wichita State. We're again, I'm planning on doing the semis and the championship for each school in one podcast. So probably do that early next week. But uh, Wichita State semifinals, Fred Van Vliet versus Takale Cotton, Clee Anthony Early versus Ron Baker. So the peak era 2013-14 Shockers have risen to the top, as you would expect in this uh, tournament. So moving on to Missouri State, they're our next school. And some good matchups here. First one is Kyle Weems versus Gage Prim. And wow, you know, these, these are some powerhouse uh, powerhouse players here. Prim is a brilliant player, still playing, of course, for the Bears. Um, and as I've said with a lot of active players who've made this tournament, you know, they have the disadvantage of their legacy having not been completed yet. Weems, though, if I had to pick the best Missouri State player over the time I've been covering the league, probably would be the, the pick. Um for longevity. Alizé Johnson would be right there, probably better in terms of talent, but he didn't play as long. Um, and the Bears began immediately winning when Weems showed up too. So under Conzo Martin, and I think he played a year for Paul Lusk, but uh, Weems gets the call here over Prim, although we'll see. I mean, Missouri State won't get the regular season title, but they're going to be dangerous in St. Louis, so they could go to the NCAA tournament. We'll see. But this is an eight-sided roll. Um, Prim has managed to rack up enough honors to get there, and it's a two, so almost an upset, but Kyle Weems defeats Gage Prim in a good battle. Next one, Alizé Johnson versus Jermaine Mallett. Mallett was on better teams than Alizé was, uh, as he was also on those Conzo Martin Bears teams. The 2011 team won the regular season title before they got beat by the Sycamores in the tournament championship game. He was an excellent two-way player, but so was Alizé Johnson who was basically unstoppable on the offensive end. He had an extremely versatile game, which is why he's still playing pro ball. Um, I'll go with Alizé, but this is because Alizé didn't play as long in the Valley. This is an eight-sided dice roll as well, and it's a six. He goes through. So chalk, chalk, chalk so far. Next I, Missouri State battle is Blake Ahern versus Isaiah Mosley, two contrasting scorers. The problem with Mosley here isn't his fault. As we mentioned, he's still playing. So we don't know what his end game is going to be with Missouri State. A big disadvantage. Um, you know, who knows? If they make the NCAA tournament, this would be a little bit tougher call. Ahern never played for a tournament team, though he should have at least one year of his career, especially in 06. I'm going to give the slight edge to Blake Ahern, um, really, for longevity because uh, Mosley's a great scorer. Mosley's not a great defender, but a great scorer. Another eight-sided dice roll, and it's a three. So Blake Ahern is through to the Missouri State Final Four. Final Missouri State matchup, Tulio Da Silva versus Marcus Marshall. It's an interesting one. But neither player played their entire career with Missouri State. Uh, and Da Silva came out of the, the gates uh, as good as anybody, he, he, he probably he's had one of the best years as a transfer that any player has had. Kind of fell off a little bit his second year, but um, but the numbers here don't lie. Marcus Marshall, who played three years for the Bears, averaged fourteen points over over those three seasons. De Silva averaged eleven point nine over two, 
And though Da Silva did some other things, he could rebound and stuff like that, uh, the Bears didn't really do anything significant um, in Da Silva's good season to overcome the statistical edge that Marcus Marshall has. So I'm going to go with Marcus Marshall. He finished his career at Nevada, um, but had some good years in Springfield. Eight-sided dice roll. It's a seven. Marcus Marshall is through. So Missouri State... Their final four will be Kyle Weems versus Alizé Johnson. Holy mackerel. That's a great one. And then Blake Ahern versus Marcus Marshall on the other side of the bracket. So an interesting set of bears still in the tournament. And we haven't had any upsets yet. Let's move on to the next school, which is Northern Iowa. <clears throat> First battle here, a couple of teammates. Seth Tuttle versus Wes Washpin. Both players were really good, and both players ultimately led you and I to one of their peaks uh, in the mid two thousand tens. They were two mates, teammates, two mates, teammates for two years. Uh, Tuttle started every game he played for you and I, and was the best player on the team basically every year he was there. Uh, Washburn was really good, but you can't make that claim for him necessarily. So I'm going to go with Seth Tuttle. Both of them were highly honored, so this is just an eight sided dice roll. And it's a six, so Seth Tuttle is through to the final four. Next matchup, A.J. Green still playing for the Panthers versus Kajo Alegba, who played on the 09 and 2010 NCAA tournament teams. Green is brilliant. I, I come off of this having just seen him be brilliant on Wednesday against Indiana State. And as I record this, you and I will be playing Loyola on Saturday for a winner-take-all um game again to, to determine the valley's regular season in cedar falls so you and i now very good position so green's legacy at you and i although they haven't made the tournament since he's been there is uh you know very good uh numbers wise too this is no contest green was better than Alegba. i'm gonna go with him but with some reservations but because kajo was a very important part of those two ncaa tournament teams too their win shares are actually pretty close because uh, when you get into some of the other things that Olegba did, assists-wise and things like that, he catches up a little bit to Green in that department, but not quite. Green does edge it. Eight-sided dice roll here for this one. It's a seven. A.J. Green is through to the UNI Final Four. Next battle, Grant Stout versus Adam Cook. Cook lives more recently in the memory, and he was part of uh, the, also part of the 09 and 2010 NCAA tournament teams. And he just edges out Stout and MVC honors. But when you look at the numbers, Stout was 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 better than Cook was. Win shares-wise, Stout is way ahead. He's like seven points ahead of Adam Cook. Uh, and it's easy to forget, you and I made the tournament three times with Stout playing there in 04, 05, and 06. Uh, they didn't advance like the 2000. Uh, 10 team did in Adam Cook's time, but uh, again, I think Stout is probably the most underrated player in my time covering the league. So he gets the call, eight-sided dice roll here, and it's a four, so Grant Stout is through to the final four. Last you and I matchup of the quarters is Anthony James versus Eric Coleman. James went through in an upset roll over Ben Jacobson in the round of 16, uh, and he's no shrinking violet. I mean, he averaged 12 points a game more than three times in his career. He kind of played in the years between you and I's 2010 team and, and when they started getting back to prominence around 2015. Uh, Coleman, however, was, man, it's, it's easy to forget how good he was. He averaged double-digit points every year he played at UNI. 
And a couple of those years approached 10 rebounds per game. I think he peaked out at 9.1. And he played for NCAA tournament team. He's on the same teams as Stout. Um, I think maybe he missed one of the... I think he was on the 05 and 06 teams, not the 04 team. But regardless, he gets the call here uh, with a little better legacy than Anthony James. Let's see what the dice say. James has won one of these. And he's won another one. Wow, our first upset. And Eric Coleman is out to Anthony James. Two upset rolls. He's the first one to advance twice on the dice roll. So Anthony James, the lucky man in this tournament. So a little excitement there at the end. You and I's final four. Seth Tuttle versus A.J. Green. Grant Stout versus Anthony James. So a um, little bit of arch madness in the UNI bracket. A lot of good. Glad to finally have some. Next school, we have Southern Illinois, and our first matchup is Jamal Tatum versus Kevin Dillard. This is a pretty easy pick. Uh, Kevin Dillard was really good for the two years he played in Carbondale before he transferred to Dayton, but Jamal Tatum is basically a, a school icon, played for their great teams in the mid-2000s. So Tatum is the call here, eight-sided dice roll for this one, and Tatum does win. So Jamal Tatum through to the SIU Final Four. Next matchup, Randall Falker versus Kavion Pippen. Pippen had some good fortune with the draw. Um, I think there might have been an upset roll in his part of the draw, and it was a pretty um, weak part of the SIU bracket in the first place. He is, his luck runs out here. Randall Falker is a pretty easy call on this one. And not only that, based on honors too, this is a 10-sided dice roll for Randall Falker. And, oh, upset. We've had a lot of SIU upsets, and we rolled a one on a 10-sided dice roll. And Randall Falker goes down to Kavion Pippen. He is the uh, the Florida Gulf Coast or the um, or the uh, UMC, UMBC of this tournament. That's a big upset for Kavion Pippen over Randall Falker. Wow. So next one, Anthony Bean Jr. versus Darren Brooks. Bean could score with the best of them, playing in the mid-2010s for the Salukis, but Brooks was a complete player and a vital member of the dynastic Salukis of the mainly the early 2000s. I only saw him play for one year, but he was that was enough for me. He was brilliant. Bean almost caught up to him, though, in honors because uh, he was such a high scorer. So this is just an eight-sided roll, and it's a two. Brooks almost gets beat, but he survives Anthony Bean Jr. to advance. Final SIU matchup, Brian Mullins versus Desmar Jackson. Jackson put up better numbers. He was a kind of a volume scorer uh, in the mid-2010s. Mullins mostly did not score that much, but he was the floor leader on two different NCAA tournament teams. Solid player, great defender. He's the choice here. Eight-sided dice roll for Brian Mullins, and it's a three, so he's through. So Salukis, we get one upset, a big one. Jamal Tatum versus Kavion Pippen uh, in one semifinal, and then Darren Brooks versus Brian Mullins in the other one for SIU in the next round. So an interesting draw there, a group there. Next school we have is Bradley, and they've already had some upsets in their bracket, so uh, some unusual players still around at this stage of the tournament, one of them being Dante Thomas, who goes up against Marcellus Somerville in the first Quarterfinal, Thomas uh, used an upset roll to knock off Daniel Ruffin, who was a solid point guard for the Braves in the late 2000s. 
He'll need another upset roll to get through this one. Somerville was one of the better, probably the favorite to come out of the Bradley bracket. Ten-sided dice roll on this one. We just had an upset, though, on a ten-sided roll. But not this time. It's a six, and Somerville is through to the final four for Bradley. Next matchup is the best one for Bradley. I think Andrew Warren versus Daryl Brown. Two really good players. Uh, played two different positions. Uh, brilliant in their day. Warren would have played in the late 2000s, early 2010s. Uh, Brown just played recently. Um, graduated two years ago. Uh, I'm gonna. Their numbers are pretty close. I'm gonna give the edge to Brown though. He averaged double figures in every single one of his seasons, and Bradley did qualify for two NCAA tournaments in his time. Only got to play in one because of COVID, but uh, they did qualify for two, winning the Valley Tournament twice. So Daryl Brown gets the call here. This is an eight-sided dice roll, and it's a three. Daryl Brown goes through to the semis. Next one, Rink Mast versus Theron Wilson. Even though Mast is still playing for the Braves, um, this is more of an even battle than you might think because they both have basically logged two years of time now. Wilson played for two years for the Braves. Um, I don't know if he played for Jim Les or Geno Ford. I forget. Um, I think Jim Les. But anyway, he played for two years. Mast is near the conclusion of his second year. Um, I'll give Wilson the slight nod again, a little bit unfair to rank Mast because... He hasn't finished his career yet, but a little bit better score. Obviously, he came in as a uh, as a finished product, whereas Rink Mast is still in his second year playing college basketball. So, and you got to remember, Mast advanced through a dice upset roll earlier on, anyway. So, um, gonna go with Theron Wilson on this one. It's an eight sided dice roll, though, and it's a six. So Theron Wilson goes through to the semifinals. Final Bradley matchup in the quarters, Patrick O'Brien versus Coke Barr. Like Mast, O'Brien had advanced out of the play-in via an upset roll. I'd pick Jeremy Crouch over Patrick O'Brien, which would seem weird because Patrick O'Brien was an NBA lottery pick, but I thought Crouch was better over the course of his career. But anyway, the dice disagreed, and O'Brien went through. And since then, I've picked O'Brien in each matchup he's had since. And I'm picking him again because, uh, numbers-wise, this is no contest. O'Brien, even in his... A uh, couple of years with Bradley was put up much better numbers than Coke Bar did. So still, it's only an eight-sided dice roll, though. And it's a three. So Patrick O'Brien is through to the semifinals. So Bradley's semifinal matchups are Marcellus Somerville versus Daryl Brown. That's a pretty good one. And Theron Wilson versus Patrick O'Brien, which is kind of a weird one. But uh, Patrick O'Brien might be riding my doubt all the way to the Bradley finals. That's not a, out of the realm of possibility. So that is Bradley in the quarters. Let's move on to Illinois State. And their first matchup is Malik Yarbrough versus Deshaun Knight. Um, I'm picking this one on straight numbers. Yarbrough's 16.6 points per game beats out Knight's 13.5 points per game. They both played for... Decent teams, so I'm going to go with that. Eight-sided dice roll for this one. And it's an eight. Yarbrough is through to the semifinals. Next one, Phil Fane versus Trey Guidry. This is a very strange matchup. we got a basically a center versus a guard, two totally different eras. Uh, they both averaged exactly 13.4 points per game for the Redbirds. I'm going to give the edge to Fane for being a little bit more well-rounded in his game than I remember Guidry being, although Guidry was a good shooter. And 
undoubtedly Fane played on better teams. So another eight-sided roll here. It's a three. Phil Fane is through to the next round. Next matchup, Osiris Eldridge versus Dinma Odiakosa, a couple of teammates. Uh, but this is not a contest. Eldridge is a very easy call here. Um, one of the favorites potentially to even win this entire thing. So 10-sided dice roll here. And it's a three. Osiris moves on to the semifinals where he will face either Jackie Carmichael or Paris Lee. This is a really good matchup. Uh, very tough call here. Lee did win the uh, 2017 Player of the Year in the Valley for the team that lost only once, co-champions with uh, Wichita State in their last year in the league. And he was a really good floor general, smart player, dependable. Carmichael, in his way, was just as good and was a great rebounder and shot blocker, also a pretty good defender. I'm going to give the very slightest of edges to Jackie Carmichael here uh, in this one. So what do the dice say? They agree. Jackie Carmichael is through in an enticing semifinal matchup against another of his former teammates. So Illinois State's semifinals, Malik Yarbrough versus Phil Fain and Osiris Eldridge versus Jackie Carmichael. So those are some interesting matchups there. Next school we have Drake. And we have in the first battle, Adam Emenecker versus Ben Simons. Now, if you remember, if you listened to the last episode, I didn't pick Adam Emenecker to advance against Revante Rice. And even as I picked it, I knew sentimentally Drake fans would pick Emenecker. Most people in the Valley would probably pick Emenecker because came out of nowhere. He was a Valley Player of the Year in 2008 for a Drake team that also sort of came out of nowhere and, and won the league and went to the NCAA tournament. Um, but Emenecker went through on the upset roll anyway, so that shoved it in my face. But uh, here he plays Ben Simons, who uh, was productive for a longer period of time, but I'm not going to go with, uh, you know, I got spooked by that last one. I'm not going against Emenecker again. So I'm picking him on this one. Um, you know, obviously Drake Folk Hero, he's uh, on the broadcast team these days and player of the year, as I mentioned, but... Eight-sided dice roll on this one. Let's see what the dice say. And, ooh, it's a two. So Ben Simons almost beat the Magic, but Adam Emenecker is through to the final four. Next Drake matchup, Nick McGlynn, who also advanced through an upset roll in a pretty even battle against Reed Timmer versus Darnell Brody, who's still playing for the Bulldogs. Uh, McGlynn, as I said, went through on an upset roll. He won't need to have an upset roll this time. He's... Uh, his numbers aren't even, uh, you know, Darnell Brody's been good, but that's not even close. So uh, McGlynn, he didn't pile up that many honors, though, so this is an eight-sided roll. And that's a seven, so Mick, Nick McGlynn is through to the final four. Next Drake matchup, Jonathan Cox versus Joseph Yusufu. Um, both were big contributors to two different NCAA tournament teams, Cox in 2008 and Yasufu last year in 2021. Uh, Cox gets the nod, though, for me for being productive with the Bulldogs for a longer period of time. Yasufu used the opportunity he got last year uh, by being productive with Drake to transfer to Kansas. So um, I'm going to go with Cox. Eight-sided dice roll here, too. It's a two, so close, but Cox is through to the final four. Final matchup, a really tough call. Josh Young versus Roman Penn. 
Young has more MVC honors. He was the most honored of all the Drake players in the bracket. Better stats than Roman, better scoring stats than Roman Penn, and one NCAA tournament appearance. Penn teams have won more than Young's teams did, and he also has an NCAA tournament uh, appearance last year. Uh, Wow. I'm going to give Young the slightest of edges. It's a bit unfair to Penn, who hasn't done yet, but them's the breaks. Young, uh, the most highly decorated player. It's hard to turn against that. And because he was so decorated, this is actually a 10-sided dice roll, too. Uh, So here we go with that. And it's a seven. So Josh Young is through in a very difficult choice over Roman Penn. So Drake's semifinals will be Adam Emenecker versus Nick McGlynn. Jonathan Cox versus Josh Young. So them are the Bulldogs. Next up, Indiana State, the team we all know and that I've seen all these players much more in far more detail than the others. First matchup, Christian Williams versus Brenton Scott. Got to give the nod to Scott here. He played all of his career with the Sycamores, and he's one of the best scorers in school history. As much as I liked Christian Williams' defense, Scott's legacy is deeper than his was. Eight-sided dice roll in this, though, because Scott kind of ran out of honors in his last two years. It's a five. Brenton Scott is through to the final four for the Sycamores. Next battle, Harry Marshall versus Jake LaRavia. Another scrap featuring uh, one player who played the entirety of his career with ISU. That would would be Marshall uh, versus LaRavia, who did not. He's currently playing for Wake Forest. Uh, This time, though, I'm going to go with the short term. I think LaRavia had an all-around a little bit bigger impact on winning than Harry did. That's tough, though, because Harry, when he started playing regularly, the team, you know, in 2010, they won more. They didn't win much in 09, but uh, I'm going to give the slight edge to LaRavia. I don't feel great about it, but that's the way I'm going. The dice agree, so LaRavia is through to the final four. don't think I've rolled a Sycamore upset yet, so we'll see what happens. Fans would be upset if a roll, an upset roll came up on this one. Jordan Barnes versus Jake Odom. JB was great, loved his game, but he's not much of a match for Odom, who uh, is the favorite, I think, coming out of the ISU bracket. Ten-sided dice roll for this one, and it's a three. So Odom is through to the next round. Now here's the hardest Indiana State one. David Moss versus the recently newsworthy Tyreek Key. Easily the hardest matchup I have to pick between. They both averaged exactly 14.5 points per game. Key definitely played on better teams than Moss did, but I do think Moss was a better all-around player than Tyreek. I think Tyreek was probably a better scorer, but if you add defense into it, that that pulls probably Moss a little bit ahead. I'm going to give the slight edge to David Moss, uh, mainly because he played in the hardest era of the Valley, and still put up good numbers, and, um, you know, that it's hard for me to, I, I guess I was branded by that month he missed in 06, uh, when ISU was, I think they were 8-1 and one when he got hurt, and didn't win a game at all for the entire month of January, and then he came back, and they were basically, I think, slightly over 500 the rest of the way, so it makes you wonder uh, where that team would have been had he been able to stay healthy, but he didn't, and that's the breaks. But he gets the call here, eight-sided dice roll, and it's a five. So David Moss is through for the matchup to end all matchups in the next round. Indiana State's semifinals in the MVC 
Champs Signed Cup is Brenton Scott versus Jake Laravia, Jake Odom versus David Moss. Yikes. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that, to be honest. So next school, one, the, probably the weirdest of all the brackets, Evansville, maybe Creighton too, because they had a bunch of upsets in their bracket. Uh, Evansville, I think, had the biggest upset of them all, and it, and it um, affects this first matchup. Matt Webster versus DJ Ballantyne. Webster beat Evansville icon Colt Ryan in the first round uh, with an upset roll. Um, so he knocked off a biggie there. Uh, but it, uh, it unfortunately it took away a Colt Ryan versus DJ Ballantyne battle. That would have been hard to choose between. But I don't have to. Uh, Ballantyne, again, is a pretty easy call over Matt Webster, who played back in the Murfeld era. Ten-sided dice roll in this one. Can Webster do it again? No, he came close. It was a two. Uh, but Ballantyne is through to the semifinals for the Aces. Next uh, battle is um, Ryan Sawvell versus Agidius uh, Muscovich. And, um, wow, this is the easiest call I've ever had to make. Lithuanian goes through, and we have our first 20-sided dice roll. Uh, Sawville only got one MVC honor. Gideas piled up a ton of them when he was playing for Evansville. So Sawville's got to beat some serious odds here. And he doesn't do it. He rolled an 11. So Gideas is through to face his former teammate, DJ Ballantyne. Next one, Shy Eli versus Ryan Taylor. Both excellent scorers. Um... But Eli did it for a longer time. Taylor was basically good for one year. He averaged over 20 points a game. But Eli uh, did it for a couple years uh, in the late 2000s. So Shy Eli is my pick here. We're back to the eight-sided dice. And it's a three. So not many upsets today um, through the tournament. So a lot of chalk. Final Evansville matchup is a strange one. Ned Cox versus Shamar Givens. Uh, Givens who's still playing, has had the higher statistical ceiling. He's basically been Evansville's go-to guy the last two years. Uh, Cox was more consistent over his four years. Givens didn't play much in his uh, first couple years in Evansville. I mean, I guess I'll go with Ned Cox. I don't think there's a wrong or right answer here, to be perfectly honest. But let's see what the dice say. It's an eight-sided roll. And I missed my box. It's a two. So Ned Cox... The unlikeliest of semifinalists is through. So Evansville's semifinals shall be DJ Ballantyne versus Agidius Skevovich. That's, wow, that's a that's basically a de facto championship there. Shy Eli versus Ned Cox on the other side. That's the opposite. That's, I, I'm going to pick Shy Eli in that one. So, um, so that's it for Evansville. Next school, Creighton. Uh, who also had their share of upsets in the in the round of 16. First matchup, though, is does not feature uh, upsets. Anthony Tolliver versus Booker Woodfox. Tough one here. Um, you got one year of excellence, basically, from Booker Woodfox, uh, who was the 09 Player of the Year in the Valley. Over two years of pretty good play from Tolliver in the mid-2000s. I'm going to go with Tolliver. I thought he was underrated as well with the Blue Jays. Um, did a lot of things, drew defenders, did a lot of non-box score type things, which is probably why he's played in the NBA forever since then. Uh, over Wood Fox, who was really good the year he got player of the year, but Tolliver, I think, had a bigger impact. So eight-sided dice roll here. It's a three. Anthony Tolliver is through to the next round. 
<laughs> this next matchup didn't take me long to figure this one out. Doug McDermott versus Dane Watts, one of the upsetters for Creighton in the last round. Seriously, I mean, this isn't even a choice. Um, and this is our second of the two 20-sided dice rolls, so Dane Watts has to beat serious odds here. Oh, and he does it! He rolled a 1 on a 20-sided dice roll, and they, maybe the biggest fish of them all, by far the biggest upset we've had in the tournament. Doug McDermott is out, people. McDermott is out. Holy mackerel. That is, that is UMBC beating Virginia. My goodness. Dane Watts shakes up the Creighton bracket, and Doug McDermott, one of the best scorers in Valley history, NCA history, is not in this tournament anymore. My word. Wow. So <laughs> I'm still trying to process that. Next Creighton matchup is a product of two upset roles, Yahens Manigat versus Isaac Miles. Definitely the weirdest matchup um, of the quarters, I think, as both, like I said, advanced via upset. This is like the equivalent of like when you get two upsets in the NCAA tournament in the same bracket, this is basically what that is, it's like Long Beach State against Winthrop or something. Uh, Manigat gets the call here basically because he played three years before eyes and Miles only played one year before he went to uh, Murray State. Eight-sided roll on this one. It's a five. Manigat is through to the semis in a, what's now a completely shattered Creighton bracket. Final Creighton matchup, and suddenly things have opened up for the second of the two people that are in this. Nick Porter versus Nate Funk. Porter was excellent when he played, but Nate Funk was Creighton's best player in the mid-2000s for teams that uh, were either made the NCAA tournament or were a threat to. Nate Funk gets the call here. Will he survive an upset role? He does. So, wow. Well, we haven't had many upsets, but the one we, one of the few we have had was a titanic one. Creighton's semifinals are Anthony Tolliver versus Dane Watts, who knocked out Doug McDermott on a 1-in-20 shot uh, in the uh, quarterfinals. The other one is bizarre as well, Yahans Manigat versus Nate Funk. So, um I mean, it shapes up to be Nate Funk versus Tolliver for the Creighton title, which I wouldn't have anticipated. Um, but who knows? We've had some serious weirdness in the Creighton bracket. Final one of the night, Loyola. Um, Valpo won't jump in until the next round because they only have five players. But Loyola's uh, quarterfinals, we start with Milton Doyle, who got a buy into this round, uh, versus Ben Richardson. Um, Doyle, who is the second most decorated Loyola player. He qualified as a first-teamer, all-newcomer, and and as an all-freshman against Ben Richardson. Um, Doyle was basically kind of the first MVC star the Ramblers had, I guess. Uh, he was there with Montel James, I suppose, who's already been knocked out. But um, I got to go with him over Ben Richardson. I think he was just a better player. So eight-sided dice roll on this one. Oh, and we have an upset in the Loyola bracket for the first time. Ben Richardson goes through on the upset roll. Ben Milton Doyle goes out quick. Next matchup, Marcus Towns versus Braden Norris. Norris is more or less a specialist. I mean, he's a three-point shooter. He's really good at it, but that's he, he does other things, but that's basically his role. Towns, a little bit more of a well-rounded player, probably had a bigger impact on the team. I'm going with him. Eight-sided dice roll here. 
and it's a six, so Marcus Towns is through to the semis. Next one, Cameron Krautwig, who got a bye. He qualified as a three-time first-teamer in the Valley, as well as all-newcomer and all-freshman. And he goes up against Lucas Williamson. This is the best of the... Well, I guess, eh, yeah, I'd say this is the best of the Loyola matchups. Titanic matchup of Rambler's winners. Both these guys I just think of as winners because they're obviously their team's won. Williamson is really good defender, uh, two-way player, does a little bit of everything for Loyola. But Krautwig is one of the best players to come through the Valley in my time covering it, and he's the call here. This is a 10-sided roll for Krautwig. Let's see what happens. It's a five, so Cameron Krautwig is through to the next round. Final matchup of the day, Dante Ingram versus Clayton Custer. Ingram played one more year for the Ramblers than Custer did, and of course Ingram hit that uh, iconic shot against Miami in the NCAA tournament. In 2018, Clayton Custer uh, transferred in from Iowa State, but he was more impactful, I think, than Ingram was in his three years, and he was the 2018 Player of the Year in the Valley as well. For a Final Four team, it's hard to uh, not pick that. So Clayton Custer gets the call. Eight-sided dice roll here. And it's a five. So Clayton Custer goes through to the next round. So Loyola's semifinals are Ben Richardson in an upset versus Marcus Towns and Cameron Krautwig versus Clayton Custer. So those are uh, the bottom of that bracket in particular is tough. So that's it for the quarterfinals of the MVC Champ Sign Cup. And I mean, I'm still getting over that Creighton thing uh Doug McDermott was a serious threat to win this entire thing I mean I don't I don't know if I would have picked there's a couple players I could think of I don't know if I would have picked him over um because there were flaws in McDermott's game a little bit too but um but man he I I mean I'm floored that he got beat on a 20-sided dice roll so he Dane Watts uh will forever be the Arch Madness, uh, he, he trumped Matt Webster, who knocked out Colt Ryan in the last round, as well as um, Anthony James is another storyline in this. He's had two upset roles to stay alive in this tournament. He knocked out Ben Jacobson and Eric Coleman. So uh, so Anthony James gets a little bit of upset love in this on the UNI bracket. So a lot of interesting things. Like I said, I'll do the. Uh, I'm going to do the semifinals and the individual school championships all in one uh, round. So that'll be fun. But uh, that's it for the uh, for this week's installment of the MVC Champ Signed Cup. I hope you're enjoying this. I'm having fun doing it. Um, and we'll join you next week for the for the next battle, and then we'll do Arch Madness when I'm at Arch Madness. So. That's it. Thanks for listening. See you next time.